0: The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. financial security will help you live the life you dream learn about financial power, the total financial power. hey welcome to the show thanks for being with me i'm Eric hallaby total financial hour am 870 the answer uh, let me give you the phone number 888-99-RETIRE that's 888-997-3847 retire all right, hey, we're going to get into a couple of things today uh, that I've really in, uh, found interesting, almost like an acceleration. Have you ever seen those those curves where things start out really slowly and then it accelerates and then it almost looks like a, a ski slope or a skateboard ramp, right? Uh, where the graph or the chart of whatever's happening is happening at such an alarmingly fast speed that for most people, they have no idea of what it's going to take to get to, well, uh, whatever the end result is. I'll give you a good example. Bitcoin started with very little, very little, and then all of a sudden it took off through the through the moon, right? Same thing with people moving to Texas, moving outside of California. It was a few people at a time. And then last year it was 1,896, uh, 1896 per day. And let me be clear on this, Really? It was actually 2018. We don't have 2019's numbers yet. We will soon, I think, because it's a matter of when you file your taxes. But in 2018, that was reported last year, 1896 per day. Leave the state of California. Now, we talk about many of them going to Texas. I want to give you an idea of what we're seeing as what I think is some of the biggest issues. Number one, try to get a moving van. Just to move local, forget going out of country or out of state or anything like that. Just say, "Hey, I'm, you know, I bought a house on the other side of town or the other side of the valley or, or uh, you know, in the Bay Area, whatever it is. I'd like to move." They said, "Great." A friend of ours moved recently. They said, "No problem." It's two and a half months. She's like, uh, "I close the escrow in two weeks. What do you mean two and a half months?" They said, "Yeah, every other day we go to Texas. And every other day." When we go to Texas, a, a truck is going there. It takes it a couple of days to get to come back because it obviously has to unload, do everything it has to do, and then come back this way. And she said, but what am I supposed to do? Uh, I'm moving into my house. And she wasn't leaving the state. She was having her items go, you know, around the corner, down the street. And they said, well, you know, we'll, we'll let you know if we have an opening or something drops off. So this is important. You know, this. Because all of you will now know years ago, maybe five years ago, it wasn't that you knew somebody, it was you knew somebody who knew somebody. Right? My cousin's friend is moving to Vegas. Remember that? You know, I just found out that a guy that I work with, his brother moved to Arizona or Nevada or whatever. Okay. Now, how do you know that it's accelerated? Because it isn't a friend of a friend that's moving. It's your friend, and in many of your cases, it's you Now, the state of California is left the world of sanity by by a large margin, in fact, very quickly, paying reparations. I can't wait to get paid by LeBron and Michael Jordan. Oprah, I hope sends me a check, and Bill Cosby, that son of a gun's a criminal anyway. I want money from those people. Oh, wait, you're not redistributing from the rich to give to the poor middle class. What are you doing? You're redistributing from one race to the other. So so what is, uh, I don't know, Kanye going to do with his extra cash? What is Snoop Dogg going to do? You know, the guy, poor guy. You know how much, how much weed costs these days for quality stuff? <laughs> Snoop Dogg needs cash, people. <laughs> what are you going to do? So it is one of the most phony... Uh, things to undermine society, to to cause unrest. You see, Martin Luther King's ideas was to bring financial equality in the world of opportunity, not results. That's m- Martin Luther King's I just want a chance. I want to be judged by my character. I don't want you to automatically assume my character is good or bad based on what it look like. Let me prove it. Well, well that's a, oh, gosh, that's almost blasphemy to the progressives on the BLM movement, right? Their, their job is not to get you to be in a financial opportunity, uh, equal opportunity plan. That's, that's way too radical for them. You know what the results could be? It could be that people would actually be lazy or fail or quit and not ever have the results that they think you should get, which is equal to the guy who spent 12 years in school to become a physician. Why shouldn't the janitor get paid the same amount? Do we need janitors? Oh, all day long. But the skill set required to do the job, the amount of time for training, that's what's paying off. That's what's rewarded. In addition to that, in a capitalist society, it says, oh, and by the way, if a lot of people want what you do, you get to charge more money for it. So maybe there's not a lot of skill in acting, but a lot of people want to see those shows. So they pay somebody... A lot of money to do it. Now certainly there are better actors than others, but you've been home long enough to have burned through all of the A rating Amazon Prime or Netflix shows or Hulu. You've already done that. so you're now in the B level like me. you're done at those le- next level you know made with uh, a very small budget with actors or actresses you've never heard of, or maybe one of them is an actual you know uh, somebody you know you know that's the anchor. You know, the actor anchor of the show, but the point is, there are times when people want a product or service, and they will pay more money for it. So, what does this mean with moving vans and U-Haul rental trucks and uh, you know drive move you drive and and uh, drive for you or whatever those white and black and blue vans are called, right? What what do you do? Well, you call them up and you say, hey, I'd like to have a moving van. I want to, I'm want i leaving from California. I'm going to Texas. $3,700 is what the last number I heard. To drive. A mo- now, if you're coming from Dallas back to Los Angeles, it's about 600 bucks. Why? Because they're trying to get the vans here. They pay people to deadhead or drive empty vehicles here. You can't find a job and you've got a good driver's license. Maybe that's an option for you right? You're sitting around anyway. Get in uh, and try to figure out how do you drive the vehicles back this way? They'll fly you to, let's say, Arizona, Phoenix, drive them back. Las Vegas, right? Those are day trips. Texas might be two days. uh, Florida, maybe three. Wherever people are moving, they need to get those vans back. You could actually be the person to assist. So consider this The other day I was driving to visit a friend out of town, and as we were driving, we counted three moving trucks pulling cars with California license plates. And they were young couples. It wasn't retirees. Why I find that fascinating to me is because that's the future, just like a church, right? A church or a synagogue, the future of it is the young families, because it shows that it's healthy, it's vibrant, it's interesting. Older people build the foundation. They build the the wisdom, the background, the history. But younger families, they're the ones that build the future. And as they do that, society gets better. So if you're going to be taxing a whole bunch of people for property tax, because that's how you're going to pay for either the debt or you're going to pay for schools or you're going to pay for something. When you're doing that, and all of a sudden those same young people no longer have a chance or an opportunity to succeed, they're going to say, why am I paying these taxes again? Because it flows through to the rents. So if you can't afford to live somewhere and you can't afford to pay for the property taxes, which in turn funds the schools, then people say, you know what, I'm out of here. Because if you think California's problem is it's just not taxing enough, it's not bringing in enough money, then you're probably a Democrat. And worse, you're probably a liberal Democrat. And why I say worse is because I think for most people, they don't know what they believe. They just know what their mom or dad told them. Or at school, we learn this, or I believe in, in in this, you know, social justice, whatever that means, right? Whenever there's a saying that is so esoteric and it's subject to such deep interpretation, you get a an upper middle class white girl pounding uh, with a baseball bat someone's vehicle who's parked in a parking lot. And you say, well, wait a second, how, how is this okay? Who... This isn't your car. Who who told you that it's okay? Why did did somebody say that it's all right for you to go and break a window on somebody? Didn't your parents teach you? It's not your property. And I saw a video this week. People are out there working their tail off and and building a financial future and and kind of trying to live. And they're driving their little four-door foreign vehicle. Maybe ten or $15,000 is what they paid for it. I don't know. Maybe twenty. And what did they do with that little vehicle? Well, they parked it and they went to work or they went to their apartment. And these clowns thought it's okay to come and break the window. They think it's okay to come and damage your vehicle or threaten you or to beat you up because of what you look like. So you understand that that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So I want you to look at this as a very important part. It bleeds itself down. And why that occurs is because people say, you know, I'm just not going to raise my kids in this environment. And they leave. Now, meanwhile, they keep taxing us for our, our property taxes for the schools. So if you're a senior and you're here, maybe you're under Prop 13 and your property taxes are not going up, very much, but they do go up every year. And as that occurs, what are they doing with the money now that there's less children in school? Because as much as I love educators, let me be clear on this. They work about eight and a half months out of the year. You don't get a three-month vacation a year. I don't mean that they, they don't work their tails off. I work from home sometimes. I have to take work home. You do. All of us do. We all have to stay stay late at work sometimes, later than we thought. Sometimes we miss appointments. I understand it's not easy, but to get paid seventy, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars a year to work eight, eight and a half months a year, I don't think the problem is we don't pay teachers enough. I don't, you know, that I don't think that's controversial. If you're a teacher client of mine, you know how much I respect and, and adore what you do. But you'll also know that that I don't think you're the, uh, you know, most underpaid person in society. Not at all. But they're still charging property taxes. So does it go to the administrators? Now, you might think, look, this is so trivial Arif. I'm retired or about to retire. I don't really care about this. Oh, yes, you do. Because did you say you were going to sell your house and move? Huh. Isn't it interesting that the person that has to buy your house now has to pay the or that wants to buy your house now has to pay the higher property tax which may or may not affect them buying your house or it may require your house to be reduced in price because California's rogue out of control budget plan they've spent more money than they've made if you've talked to me or listened to me for the last 15 years on radio you've heard me say they are billions of dollars in debt. In fact, it was about uh, 25 years ago I spoke in front of a group of financial people, and I said, "The California State Teachers' Retirement System, for people that I know and love and that are expecting this someday, was currently about six billion upside down. That means they needed six billion dollars more to be funded under their current plan, the way they had it set up. Six billion. I said, well, I don't know if they can do it. It's going to be tough. It's going to take a while. They can do it, but they're going to have to sacrifice and on and on. So I said, just make sure that your teacher clients, as I was speaking to financial professionals, make sure your educators are putting away enough money in their tax-sheltered annuities, their TSA accounts. Basically, a teacher's 401k. Make sure they're putting in as much as they can. They may have to subsidize their retirement in the future. Really help them and on and on. Okay, 25 years later, how much upside down is the California State Teachers Retirement System? <laughs> Very simple, you guys. Uh, 200 billion. 200 billion with a B. It started with 6 billion 25 years ago. Today it's 250. When people hear me talk and I say, listen, maybe they're going to fix it. I don't know. But I can tell you if you look at a track record, If I was to bet my entire, as they say, bet the farm, your entire financial life, I would say there's zero chance. There's 100% chance, my opinion, 100% chance that they will have to cut benefits for educators. There just isn't money. It's not a political thing. I guess maybe in, in some results, right? The political world is facing, is forcing out people that are, that would be paying taxes, So maybe it's not a full, but it's really just a math problem. And as educators, more than any, they know math or they should, right? When you have a math problem and you look at it, what you do is say, okay, where are the dollars going? Where are they coming from? And is there enough money behind to call this a good deal, right? Would I stay or not if I was in the state? Do I think it's a fun thing to do to stay in California? you know, if you're trying to plan or build for your financial life, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to pay for the tax problems that the far left, the Democrats in California, which are kind of the same thing these days, the progressives, are you willing to stay in California? Now, I don't want you to move. Nobody wants. But I think what they do instead Right? I think what you do instead is you have to understand, I want to retire if I'm a retiree. And if I can do the math and gas is a dollar cheaper, healthcare is, you know, 10% less expensive. The cost of living, eating out at a nice dinner, everything is 20, 30, 40% less. Wouldn't it make sense if you say you want to retire now or wait four years and retire in the same quality of life here in California, leave now, Retired the same way you will in four years, for example. I'm making up a number. Maybe it's five years. So, what we're seeing is this push of taking the middle class out, the younger generations out, the young families out. Now, who stays? Well, the 28 year olds making 250 thousand a year in Silicon Valley, working for any of those those uh, you know, uh, IT firms, tech firms, internet firms. That's fine. Now, why do they stay? They do for a couple of reasons. One is they want to be able to have a good life. The beach, the dry weather. Every food you can imagine is here in Los Angeles, Orange County. Just what, what do you want to eat? The best Indian food, probably outside of India. The best Chinese food outside of China. Uh, Arabic food, Lebanese food. My family owns a great restaurant in, in Sherman Oaks. You, you name it. Probably some of the best Food you can have is here. So it is a reason to stay. Except isn't it interesting that some of those restaurants are opening some of the best food in Scottsdale, in Henderson, Nevada, in Vegas, in Boise, Idaho, Dallas, its suburbs. Meaning enough is enough. Do you really think people are going to move to Seattle or Portland or even the states of Washington or Oregon anymore? Right, The only thing Coeur hates worse from Californians coming up and bringing their politics are Washingtonians coming over and bringing their politics. Right? They're not interested in seeing, you messed up your state, don't come to mine and mess it up. That's literally what they say. I've spoken to many of them. So we have to think about this. Is there a time to fight here? Is there time to say, I'm going to throw in the towel and go live where I want to live? Where What does it look like called normal for you? Because enough people are fed up. Because mathematically, this just isn't the place to live. Even if you can afford and live nicely, right? We can live nicely. A lot of our clients can live comfortably. It's a do you want to. <laughs> do you want to be called Uh, racist because you choose to wear a hat or because you voted for somebody else or you won't raise your hand in a fist while you're trying to eat dinner. Right? Is that the kind of normal that you want to call normal? Right? That's the intimidation tactics that Pol Pot in Cambodia used. Ask anybody who fled Vietnam. I spoke to one last week, actually. He said, Eric, you have no idea what communism does socialism. Ask somebody who fled Cuba and on and on. You can ask almost anybody who has been involved in this, you you know, on the the citizen side of things. And they will tell you. This has been a really horrible, horrible time. They're not happy with it. They don't like it. They're concerned. Is it more important than ever for you to vote? It is. You have to vote. You're going to have to set up and try to figure out who you can uh, elect, you get to decide. But when it's two and a half months to leave California, and now the governor, did you guys see this? This is incredible. He's trying to pass a bill that says you will be taxed for the next 10 years after you leave the state of California. The next decade on income that you make, they wanna tax you. I don't think it'll pass you know, constitutional muster. I think the Supreme Courts will will shoot it down. How do we know for sure they're not going to be able to reach their communist fingers into other states? Well, number one, I think other states are going to sue them. And number two, I think the federal government will sue them. It's why you need a conservative federal government. The Trump administration continues to appoint judges that are way far exceeding the expectations of believers, uh, of religious folks, of people that have any kind of sense of this country is a good country, is a constitutional country. Those same people are being appointed as judges. I think that's amazing. The only reason Ruth Bader Ginsburg hasn't stepped down yet is because of Donald Trump. Instead of doing what she should do, which is to allow the court to be its own I don't know, independent, you know, keep your mouth shut, rule by the law, stay out of the middle of the fray, right? That's why they don't clap during state of the unions. They don't stand up during state of the union addresses. Their job is to sit there, be in attendance out of respect, but not to take sides. Well, why is she still there? So do you understand that this political hate has drawn through the system and although these people might have millions and billions after their name, maybe you don't. Right? Maybe you've saved your entire life savings and, the, and you have 750000 or or 950000 How do we protect that with the chaos that's coming? Right now they're saying we may not know on election night who the real president is. And yet they have to build their cabinet. Remember Bush versus Gore or Gore versus Bush? I think it was whoever was that sued first. Right When they only wanted to count certain counties, and President Bush said, no problem, we'll recount the whole state. Oh, no, no, we only want to recount these four counties, six counties, which of course would lead to a better vote for him. Well, finally, when they recounted the entire state of Florida, President Bush didn't win by a little bit, he won by a lot more. So you see, the, the depth of, of Democrat deception when it comes to voter fraud Look, we can clean all this up really simple, folks. You do a fingerprint and an ID. So every vote has a fingerprint and an ID. We send it into the system. It's over. We know who you are. We know who you voted. If you voted illegally or voted twice, we have your fingerprint. We know who you are. We'll come get you. We have your ID. You can't sit there and call. And and as I've heard, in fact, somebody stand there and say, I'm Mary Schwartz. They said, "Well, first of all, you're not Mary and you're not Schwartz." "Yes, I am and you can't check my ID." All right. That's the kind of voting system you want. You understand that it's Russia and China's job is to undermine the confidence. They don't have to undermine the country, just the confidence we have in the system. So just like when Hugo Chavez wins by 97% of the vote, nobody believes it because we don't have confidence in the process. I need you to survive. When we come back, I'm going to get into retirement accounts for you as the individual now that the working environment has changed. How do we fix that? We'll be right back. I'm Arab Halaby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Learn from Halaby. Learn about financial power. security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me and thanks for joining me. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Halliby on AM870, The Answer. All right, listen, we're talking about a couple of things here. Your family's finances, uh, specifically when it comes to retirement planning, uh, as well, People are, are literally changing careers, you know, two, three, five years before they were going to retire. All of a sudden, the system has changed, right? You were given a, a severance package at 58 years old. You're like, well, it's too early to retire. I was going to work till age 65. So what do you do in this interim? Well, a lot of folks that are in that age bracket, first of all, you have an old retirement account. You want to secure it and get reasonable rates of return, get it out of the market. We might be able to help. TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions just might be able to help. I'm Eric Hallaby. I'm the CEO of those companies. Maybe we can make a difference. I don't know. Maybe. And if we can, is it worth it for you to give us a call at 888 retire It might be. I think you should give it a shot. Because here's the next part. You actually can open your own solo 401k, individual 401k plan. That means you don't need a large corporation to sponsor you or a school district or a public entity or a nonprofit. You don't need any of that. You can open your own retirement account. Now, if you're going to work as a consultant or have your own corporation or LLC, fantastic. That corporation or LLC actually can have its own retirement account that allows you to borrow money from it. That means you can actually borrow money from your own retirement plan And use it for what? For work? For family if you need it? Just like you could if it was a regular corporate plan. Now, if it's an IRA, individual retirement account, and not run through a corporate entity, then you cannot borrow from it. You just withdraw. So I want you to be clear on this. They're not the same. You tell me the purpose of your money, I'll tell you the place of your money. Right? For lunch tomorrow, dinner tonight, that's the money in your pocket. It isn't your retirement account or your home equity or your savings account or your emergency fund, your kid's college fund. Those are all different purposes for the same dollar bill. You look at the dollar, it doesn't tell you where to put me. You have to give it a job. Otherwise, it just sits there and you earn zero interest or you know, point 0.1% interest rate. So you want to have a place for your money that decides and guides and supports the purpose of your money. Okay, what's a SEP IRA? SEP, S-E-P, Sam Edward Paul, same thing from my police days. That's how we called it phonetically. Very simple. A SEP IRA is a self-employed person's IRA. I've heard it called simplified employee pension. Same idea. It just means that an entity, a corporation, or even a, a DBA doing business as, right? A sole proprietorship, you as a person, as a small business, can put your money into an account, put in a lot more than you have currently. Right? You're allowed to put in something in the neighborhood of twenty, twenty five thousand dollars. And those dollars that you put into your account can grow tax deferred. You receive the tax break today. Pull them out later and pay taxes on it as you go, including whatever state you live in, whether it's in California or whether you're in one city or another city. Where is it that you are going to live and retire? That will decide where you pay the taxes. And why this really changes a lot about your, I guess, your planning is because I don't want you to take and say, give me all of my money right now. I don't mind if you have a strategy in place, but for many people, they say, well, I don't have a job, it's an emergency, just give me one big check. And then you end up paying half of that in taxes. You end up losing nearly half of it to the government. Why would you do that? So for enough of you, I want you to think of this as an option for you to to lay down and say, how do I strategize? How do I build so that you have multiple sources of income in retirement? Because my goal for a client is simple. It's simple. Ready? Five sources of income in retirement. That's the dream. I like three. Three is a minimum. But five is a good, good number. I'm happy there. It makes my life good. It makes It's a happy time. Why? Because when you have five sources of income, rental property X, pension Y, Social Security this retirement account, a little in the stock market, whatever it is, right? Maybe there's 20 choices. It doesn't matter, but I want you to have at least five. And if they don't correlate, in other words, they have nothing to do with each other. So stock market is up, real estate down. Social security is frozen. You're not going to make more than the same amount from now till ever. Don't ever expect a pay raise. No problem. My accounts with ARIF are laddered meaning we start with one, gives us income. The next five years from now, we turn on another one. And a couple years later, we turn on another one. We always are adding, adding, adding extra money. And in doing that, when you're starting to build kind of this income stream, you understand that most of us do it anyway, which is this. You get to a place in life where you are, oh, what's a good answer, right? While you're young, Your job is to accumulate wealth. That's why a lot of the stockbroker systems, you know, oh, fee-based, fee-only financial, and and we want market. Everything's in the stock market. Give me stock market, market, market. And you say, all right, well, because your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job, I guess you can have your money in the market where it goes up and down. Because when it's down, you're buying more shares. And when it's up, you're buying less shares. But your dollar cost averaging, that's what you're doing. You're kind of building this dollar cost average of layering income and layering the accumulation of that income. All right. When you are ready to retire, the job is no longer about accumulation. The job is about income. Because if you have an entire office building, and you own it, $10 million cash, money, done, paid off, and you want to have dinner tonight, you're not going to take a piece of drywall or a brick from the front and say, let's go take this to the grocery store or or, let's go take this to the restaurant. So it is a store of wealth. That's nice. And you're going to have store of wealth, a place that you have wealth built up. But really, The income stream, the way to pay your electric bill, to travel, to live life, we call it quality of living that is not done by stores of wealth. 17 gold bars, fantastic. Are you going to chip off a little piece like the old Wild West days and take it at the saloon and slap it on the counter? And the guy's going to weigh it and say, hey, you know, I'll give you six drinks. (laughs) I mean, what do you do? No, you need income. So remember this. The job of you during the period of time of building your wealth is accumulation, but it changes and it ends and it it stops. At least back at a huge amount where you say, how do I create an income stream? And sometimes, you know, you'll hear me say this, you guys, probably if you've listened long enough, have heard me say it, make a choice. You want a million dollars in cash right now or 10,000 a month? for the rest of your life. Million dollars in cash or 10,000 a month. The younger I was, I would have said, give me the million. You know, arrogant little little confident, give me give me the million, I'll double it by the weekend. I know what I'm doing. Right? Maybe it would have happened. Or maybe not. But the older, some would say wiser, <laughs> that's my goal anyway. The older I get, now I'm in my mid-50s, right? I'm starting to think, what do I do? Is it the million in cash or would 10000 a month be kind of nice? Forever, no matter what. So if you are a million dollars in cash kind of person, right, in my, my pretend poll here and you voted and you said, I want that, then I would tell you that's probably not the kind of client that works for us, right? We're, we're not right for everybody and maybe we're not right for that person. But if you said, I want the income, I'm, I like the guarantees, the predictability. I don't care about the noise of the world. Instead, I want to have predictability. I want to have confidence, peace of mind, if you will. And that's where we come in. That's where our goal is. So using products that are built around that really allow you the opportunity to have confidence in retirement. Because if you're going to make a decision to retire, here are some questions I want you to answer. Number one, how are you going to fill your days? What is, what is it that's going to be exciting? Right now, weekends, you try to rush and get everything done. And for most people, we don't realize this, but for most people, the most money you spend in your life is on a Saturday. The day of the week that retailers love more than anything is a Saturday. More money is spent than many of the other days combined in some cases. And so when you are retired, you now have a lifetime of Saturdays. A month of Saturdays where you walk in and instead of rushing to buy and shop and get everything done before the weekend is over, what do you do? Well, if you don't have something to fill your day, you shop. And today, more than ever, it's even easier to go out and be that shopper. Why would it be that? Very simple, guys, (laughs) because you can get it online, order it today, it comes tomorrow get a discount, buy six. You don't like it, send it back. Shipping is free. All of those conveniences when you are retired and bored will equal broke. Spending more money than you make, building a a level, if you will, about how much money you need to spend to live. And I believe in most cases, people are not filling their days as retirees that give both emotional and mental and spiritual stimulation. I think they're not. Add the coronavirus craziness and I think the hype and overreaction. Of course people are dying. Oh, it's real. Of course it's real. Cancer's real. Spinal meningitis is real. Have you seen cerebral palsy? I mean, these things are real. Nobody says they aren't. But we don't shut down the world. You don't make people wear a mask when uh, H1N1 ran around and killed 160, 180,000 Americans. Nobody wants that to happen. I think you kind of have to go back and go, okay, look, everybody's going to get the virus, be exposed to it and or get it. That's it. Everybody's going to get it. If you think you're going to hide in a corner and use a mask and 17 bottles of sanitizer a week, I think it's silly. I think your mental health is so much more important. And because we now have cures for it, Treatments, if you will, whatever the, the proper term is, but hydroxychloroquine, remdemzaphir, right? The, the combination of hydroxychloroquine and, and uh, zinc and Zithromax and uh, vitamin B12. I've had friends that have been cured by this stuff. I know it. So what you do is you have enough of that on supply. You see, that was the scare. Remember the story? Remember the, the chant? Flatten the curve flatten the curve. We want to flatten the curve. You're going to stay home to flatten the curve. We need time to build ventilators. So the president goes to General Motors and Ford and says, I'm now commanding you, if you will, as a a, uh, commander in chief, to now change and build ventilators. There's tens of thousands of ventilators around the country now. Tens of thousands. Grateful that they are because they could save lives. I'm, ha- I'm happy. And they also have stockpiles of what? 100 million doses of hydroxychloroquine? And I think it takes five or, or seven doses, eight doses to cure somebody? So what is that? 20 million Americans that, that get the disease, uh, you know, that, that are exposed to the virus? Some don't even need treatment. They have a little headache. They don't even know. Many of you have already had it. And you don't even know. And you're running around with the mask. So now, once the the tipping point starts to happen and enough people get it, now they have to come out and scare the daylights out of you again with this propaganda of, we think you can get it again. Quick, run back. Run back and hide. Get in the corner. Get the mask on. Mask on. Don't shake hands. No hugging. No physical touch. I know you're a senior and you want to see your, but you have to look at them through a glass window. Wave. 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 Because we want to save your life. Wave. Is that not ridiculous? There needs to be enough of you that have a quote protest, right? Nobody is arresting the socially distant protesters in LA or Portland or. That's why I know they don't take this seriously. It isn't serious because if it was, they wouldn't have allowed the protest the way that they go for four or five months. Period. I mean, I get they have to say it is to you, and my friends, and my clients, and and some physicians, you know, will tell you, "Oh yeah." yeah, yeah. Well, then why didn't you teach teach people how to wear PPE? Why did you let us wear uh, uh, handkerchiefs for three and a half months? You know that it doesn't stop anything. A handkerchief is this, is basically a chain link fence keeping out a mosquito. That's what they tell me. So if you, as the the medical community, knew that. Why did you allow us to wear handkerchiefs and other cotton materials? I'm just asking. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm asking. Because you have just taken an entire generation of seniors that may have the money, that may have the means, that may have a life, that may even have great health. And you've scared the daylights out of them, made them sit in a corner with a mask and not allow them to hug their grandchildren, which is for many of them, the only reason that they are alive. If you don't fill your day with something called fun and excitement and interesting and truly making a difference, then what is the difference? What is government's job? Why are we even driving cars or eating fresh fruit? Right? They try to scare the daylights out of you. Remember with uh, uh, killer bees were coming, that was the deal. Global cooling, oh, that was the 70s. Global cooling, I have the Newsweek article with graphs and charts, quotes from scientists. Global cooling, it's going to shrink the growing regions. The world will starve. You won't be able to grow wheat past Ohio. Global cooling, it's coming. And then a few years later, now it's global warming. I changed my mind, turn around, global warming. And then Guns, guns are everywhere, guns. Now it's racism. Police are killing, uh, you know, black, com- oh, really? There was what, nine or 14 unarmed blacks that were killed? I don't mean to diminish the men's lives. Even one life is serious. But when you get to the place, as a former law enforcement officer, where you have to make a decision within seconds or less, and you're telling me that, how how many times have you guys had interactions with the police? How many times have you been shot at by the police, arrested, handcuffed? Oh, probably mostly never, right? Or if you were messing around or you were being a little bit of a smart aleck or doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, you kind of know it. You kind of know when you're, when you're, you're speeding and the policeman stops you. You kind of know it when you made the left turn on the bright yellow reddish turn, right? I mean, you can claim victim status. But if you're a retiree and your goal is to try to fill your day, and then all of a sudden the government comes in with this silly coronavirus uh, pandemic, uh, look, it's happening. I get it; people are dying. Yep. But we've got the treatment. It's over. We solved this problem. Next, put this uh, this group, this concentration, this government money on cer- on solving certain cancers. What? Are the- Let's go to the most pervasive cancer and then go backwards. Start with that one. Okay, everybody, we have six months. Let's find the cure to cancer. Go. Okay, great. We solved that problem. Now let's go to the next. Six months, eight months. Let's go solve the next cancer. Nothing wrong with that. I think that'd be amazing. Remember, the left is still going to hate Donald Trump. Right? (laughs) We used to say if he found the um, cure to cancer, they would still hate him. Well, of course, he found hydroxychloroquine and brought that up, and oh, yep, yep, we hate him. I have friends that have been taking that for 20 years that have lupus and MS. They've been taking this same <laughs> drug. I don't know. Take a look. Look up George Fareed. Dr. George Fareed. F-A-R-E-E-D. Take a look at some of his YouTube channels and, and who he is as a man. I think you'll end up finding he's a very interesting person. Somebody who's straightforward, made a difference in the world, a good man, in my opinion. All right. Second, when you're ready to retire, are you going to be, is it going to be difficult to visit family? Look at the reason a lot of your family lives close to you is because you want to see them. But if really most of your time is Thanksgiving and Christmas and maybe one other time a year, then you can live three or four hours away. You can live a 20 or 30 minute uh, airline flight and come in and spend five days, four days, and then go back. If you're not seeing your family at least once a month, then where you live is not as important. Now, if somebody's sick, if you need care, if you need people to come to, okay, of course, there's issues. But a lot of retirees who've, pers- who've, who've purposely put miles between themselves and their families to get out of this uh, endless free childcare, right? We've seen that. They love their grandchildren, but the abuse by you children, of your parents, and I don't mean, you know, physical abuse, but you forget that they have a life. You drop their kids off and then you play this passive aggressive when, when your children ask, right? Uh, Hey mom, can you watch it? Watch the baby? No, sorry. Me and your dad are planning, are planning on going out. We have some friends coming over. <sighs> All right, mom. All right, fine. Right. This passive aggressive things. And the, the kids either don't talk to them or they're rude or they, and they create this animosity. And the parents are going, well, look, I have a life. Why do, I mean, let's talk about this. Now, some people are moving closer to be with their grandkids because they love to be around them. Nothing wrong with that. Get a house in the same neighborhood, get out there and be that person who lives on the same street, down the street, around the corner. (laughs) Okay, you can do that. And there's ways to do it. But I want you to think twice. If you're the parent that's going to provide child care, if you're the parent who has the money to move, if you're the parent who is not happy being here and the cost of living and the politics and the other problems, then I want you to open up about telling your grandchildren and children, hey guys, what do you think about moving to this city or state? Maybe it's a place that you already have some roots. Maybe it's a place you already know people. Maybe it's a place that is part of your your heritage, your history, fantastic. That's the place to go. But first you look at jobs, you look at the economy, you make sure the politics are the way you want them to be. It used to be, I would say, stay, debate, push for your point of view. That's not the case anymore. You stay, debate, push for your point of view, what do you get? Called a racist, you're, uh, you get stuff thrown at you, your business, your home, you get yelled at. You see, this is becoming a third world country. Look at what happened in El Salvador, in Venezuela. Look at what happened in the 80s and the 90s in 2015 when you tried to disagree with people in Turkey or in Egypt. What did they do to you? And you tell me that that is not the same thing that the progressive left is doing. Why is the president and the state attorney generals and the state law enforcement officers allowing the city police departments, police chiefs, and the mayors to allow their citizens to be abused and the disorder in the community, I don't know the answer to that. I can tell you that every single law enforcement officer I know is utterly disgusted with their leadership. And I know at least five different agencies here in Southern California, officers with five different agencies. They are utterly disgusted with their chief. They think the cowardice will go down in history, and that is what the chief will be known for. That's what their sheriff, head sheriff will be known for, their head commanders, their mayors. Because they said, what happened to what our job was supposed to be? You told me, do my job and you'll protect me. Do it right. Be honest and honorable. You'll protect me. That's what they told me. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Do your best, and I'm here for you. I will watch your back. Okay. But if you plan on moving and you're going to round out your conversation with your family, if you're going to take them with you, don't forget health care. Don't forget access to entertainment, exciting things, whether you're playing pickleball or golf, whether you like to be on the river or the ocean, that you're spending time enjoying life. And if the conversation about your grandchildren is touching you, then I want a conversation with them and you. And you know how to speak to them. You have to sit down and say, listen, I can give you this many times per day. I can do this this many times per week. Whatever it is, this is what I can do. But open that communication. And don't forget, retire as long as possible, but don't sit around. A purpose-driven retirement is more important than ever these days. Hey, thanks for joining me. Arif Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRED. That's 888-997-3847. I'm Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. On AM eight seventy the answer. Now Arab has a plan for me, higher income strategy.